son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emmett Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk. You're very welcome to the show as we look back on the weekend's action and some of the big news in racing as well. And we'll do that in the company of six times champion tipster making his debut on the show. Welcome to the Final Forum Podcast, Paul Jacobs. Well, God bless you. You know, many people say other things about you, but I think you're a good man. And to that, you are in you're in my, my list on the left-hand side. Now, the list on the right outside is totally full up. I mean, you wouldn't believe the number of people in horse racing, outside of horse racing, are on the right-hand side. That's the bad room. That's the bad list. That's the naughty corner. Four ex-wives, 15 aunties, my sister-in-law who's still flying around on a broomstick outside my flat as I speak to you. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And quite frankly, you know, you could be subjective in life, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you're right. Well, this is the point where I should say that when I was saying to Paul about coming on the show, he goes, hey, um, just out of interest, am I allowed to swear? Well, have you ever listened to Joe Rogan? Of course you can swear. You can say whatever you want. And you can I say whatever I want about the BHA? And we specifically waited till Tuesday in the hopes that the BHA would release their whip report, which they have. So the combinations of Paul knowing that he can, one, say whatever he wants, and two, swear, means this could be a very spicy final for podcast. Yeah, I think, yeah. So I mean, everybody that's listening, right? I mean, every, I mean, everybody that's listening, you know, this could be a liberating moment in their life. This could be a pivotal moment in their life. You know, if there's people out there and they're, they're not in a great marriage, maybe this will give them the oomph to say, you know what, I need to go down the country road, take me home country road, and sort things. I have, I have a friend. I've known in Liverpool since I was five. He's come to, he came out to London when he was like in his early uh, 20s and he's now one of the top criminal lawyers in the whole of the UK. Earns millions of pounds. Not materialistic. Love a guy. I meet him six months every year. But he always, ambition was always, always to be a bin man. Would you believe it? 
and his wife, who's incredibly bitchy, nasty woman, I don't like her, she doesn't like me, treats him like a ball of shit. And I said to him, I said, Mark, I said, you know what? You need to leave her. Give her the house. You've got enough money for generations to come to keep them okay and in luxury. And go and become a bin man. Oh, and he says, but Paul, he says, you know what? It's like, well, what would the rest of the family think? I said, fuck what, honey, just do it for your own, for the love of life. Because you know what? You've probably got 20 years. That's just about it. Get yourself a new lady friend who really does adore you and love you. And so when he kept on going about this, every six months we meet up, uh, six months ago when he asked for to be in the pub, I said, you know what? Unless you do something about it, the next time you meet up, don't mention it to me because it's off limits. And unless you do it, well, bugger off. But so that's what life's all about, isn't it? You, know, you need to, you need, you need to grab it. You need to grab it, go with it, run with it, and don't care what anybody else thinks. And that's what the final film on podcast is about, isn't it? You know, this is all about opinions, and to a certain extent, they'll be constructive. To another extent, I'm sure, I Emmett, mean, they won't be constructive with you and me going head to head, bombing your way on here. But it's what, it's what, it's what they won't do on ITV. It's what they won't do on on the racing channel. It's what they won't do on Sky Racing because they are like too nice to yeah. Oh, yes, this is the 70s, mate. Mind your language and love thy neighbour. That's, that's the equivalent of Get woke, man. So I'm, delight- I'm delighted to be with you. You're just like one of my uncles from way back where. <laughs> oh, actually, you're not, because you wouldn't want to be like him in any case, to be honest. But that's that's not the compliment that we were looking for. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm oh. done already, actually. Oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, by the way, for, for that criminal defence attorney friend of yours, but who's mm. going to defend all of the bad people, Paul? Who's going to pay well, him millions of pounds? You're not thinking of that. Well, oh, dear. Yeah, they're on strike in any case already, he, aren't they? So it doesn't really matter. He's cleaning up the rubbish, but in a different way. Uh, right, so we'll talk about the like we'll talk about <laughs> report uh, a little bit later on. But let's kick off with, with the big race of, of the weekend. It was the Darley July Cup. And it went to alcohol-free on her second start sprinting. Thank you, Oshin Murphy, uh, for mentioning in our Royal Ascot preview that sprinting was going to remain the plan with her. Um, or review, I should say. Use my mouth words correctly. And speaking of Royal Ascot, the form holds up because Naval Crown, Artorias, and Creative Force are second, third, and fourth, respectively. Uh, this was her, only her second start sprinting, as we've alluded to. And she's fairly bolted up, giving Rob Hornby his second British Classic in a row um, for his career, having won it the day before, causing a big upset, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, just how impressed were you with alcohol-free back to sprinting? Yeah, I was. Uh, and to coin a phrase, and I hate cliches, she got the job done. But, I mean, she had the race set up for a Naval Crown. Uh, his mid-race splits were amazing. And by the way, Naval Crown, uh, a.k.a. Trojan Horse, size of him, Reminds me of my ex-mother-in-law. My word, is he a bull of a horse? And I'm really surprised, actually, that Charlie Appleby and co. never sent him sprinting earlier than they did because it's quite obvious that he has the making shape to be a sprinter. Um, I actually laid perfect pub because I thought second time on fast ground, he wouldn't get away with it. I, by fluke, I got it right with him. Creative Force didn't act on the track last year. I don't think he acted on the track this year as well, yeah, even though he's finished close up fourth, beating three and a half lengths. Altorius stays a mile in Australia, probably on to seventh thermal, but you don't need to be an oracle for me to tell you that. Uh, and, and so in a way, what am I trying to say? Well, you can't read my mind, thank goodness for 
that because you're not Voldemort with Harry Potter. But connections want to take her to the Sussex Stakes, which I think is a big mistake because she's not going to win that. Uh, there's more chance, Emmett, of you riding in the Grand National <laughs> and finishing in the first 29 or so. Oh. She Right, she's a good filly, you know. Filly's doing group ones. They, they've got to be, they've got to be classy, and she's obviously really versatile as well, Emmett. But you know what? I, I was a little bit surprised because I always thought she wanted a wee bit of dig in the ground. Uh, but she went through the race beautifully, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She's she's a revelation back sprinting, and it's it's tremendous to see. I'm a little bit surprised that they've decided to go for the Sussex Stakes. Don't entirely know if Baye turns up. William Haggis was pretty cool on the idea at Royal Ascot. Maybe he's changed his mind since. I don't really fear the rest of them. To be honest, Caribus, Native Trail, I think they're one and the same. Um, Native Trail, I'm not a big fan of. Real World, yeah, deserves a Group 1 at some point, but you know they don't just give them to you. It's it's not a tremendous race, so I can see why they're doing it. She does have a good constitution, unless they turn around and, and take her to another sprint afterwards, like um, mm. Bedford Sprint Cup in, in, isn't until September. Jack Michael. Lamarwa? Jack Lamarwa would be a really good shout, yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. But she does have a... a which, top- is, which is perfect power, isn't it? I mean, that's perfect power's ultimate aim. Why, why Richard Forkey ran him on fast ground again at Newmarket? I mean, it was just a specialist track Newmarket, you know, with the engineer. I mean, the, the Jack Lamarwa is the perfect race excuse the pun, for perfect power over that intermediate trip, literally guaranteed given the ground, and yet he's running in one race probably too quickly uh, when conditions weren't in his favour. And you know at Group 1 level, you need everything to be in your favour to win, and it wasn't. It just simply wasn't on Saturday. Actually, worth mentioning, Emmett, while we're here, uh, I was saying in situ for the July Cup, what two good runs by Double or Bubble at Emma Artiana. Emma Artiana doesn't stay six furlongs in the Ferrari. Great warm-up for her for the Nunthorpe Stakes. Fantastic run for him, sorry. I always think Emma Artiana is, is, is a filly. Why do they call it Anna? I don't know. Um, and Double or Bubble ran a great race as well for, for Christian Wall. I thought those two may have been overlooked in the final analysis of the race, finishing close at fifth and sixth. They only beaten three and three-quarter lengths and four and a half lengths, and they ran really, really well. Uh, Anna just um, uh, fading in the closing stages, but that was almost excusable, and Double or Bubble never nearer than the finish. Probably a career best for the latter. It's good that Naval Crown has shown that his performance was no fluke and the sectionals you're 100% right were, were crazy and that form is backed up with Artorias and, and Creative Force. Apparently Artorias will have another run in, in Europe and it's a bit of a, a tricky situation for them now in that he's finished third in two very valuable and prestigious group ones, dead heated for third at, at the Royal Meeting and, and gets it out right here. But his run style, Jamie has got to get really busy on the horse to wake him up. On an undulating course, he couldn't quite get there. Well, I'll tell you what, he's a fine specimen, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, he's not a, he's not a bigger specimen as naval, but my word, he's a bulk of the horse. But the point is... Each both of Ascot and Newmarket, Emmett, he was massively badly outpaced, even at the three furlong pole. Yeah. And Jamie's asked him, and he's given him a backhander. Oh, talk about backhanders. Uh, we're oh, whipping a little bit later. Oh, oh don't up the souffle in the oven. That's going to happen big time. The B- oh, Don't even mention BHA now, because I might just peak too early. But um, he basically gets outpaced, and, and you are absolutely on the mark. Then he needs a, a manic, a suicidal end-to-end gallop. So that kick comes into play a little bit earlier than it did do on Saturday and that was despite running up the Eiger in the final three quarters of the Furlong at Newmarket which helped him to a degree but he was he was never going to win and it always it always shocked me when Australian horses come over here uh, and they try and win one of our historic prizes because that 
basically is the bottom line. That's why they're coming over here. They're coming over to win, to win the name of a race, not the prize money, because the prize money over here, I mean, even Royal Alaska, Royal Alaska is the pinnacle, it's the peak, it's the zenith, yeah? The prize money's shite. It's awful. And why Why? Why would anybody, why would any Amer- why, why does Wesley send his horses to America to run here? It's because it's because of the, the great history, the tradition of, of racing, because the prize money is an absolute disgrace at Royal Alaska. And do you know what? It's probably a, a disgrace right across the board at Cheltenham as well, but to a lesser degree. So I, I really don't get it. But this has been going on for years. And if the establishment remain in power, all like the governments in America and the UK, the establishment remained in power for, for decades and decades. And all of a sudden, the electorate thought, oh, well, we better get somebody else in because we're pissed off with the electorate. And we'll, we'll vote in Trump, who's an absolute lunatic, and we'll vote in <laughs> Boris Johnson, who's an absolute wanker. Because they're the only alternative to the establishment. But there's no alternative to the establishment of the BHA. There's no, there's nobody out there who's got the power to put their foot down. The BHA, there was the chocolate, was this, there was that, and so many different guises, and say, hello, McFly, hello, McFly, wake up, wake up. Because we need to get into the modern age. We need to do something different. And, you know, we're going to talk about the show. The Shergar Cup. Who gives a about the Shergar Cup. And, and, and you have to say, you know, when it comes to the Shergar Cup, right, it defames the name. It defames, it's defamatory to the name of Shergar. It, it, should, it should go to court. It should be named the Quitzel Crossit Cup. The Quitzel Crossit Cup. Why is it called the Shergar Cup? One, you know, one of the horses that, that was one of my heroes. Why... Emmett, why is it called the Shergar Cup? You know, the racing public should boycott the Shergar Cup. It's crap. Nobody gives a shit about team uh, meetings with all these different colours, now these different jockeys from different countries, you know? I mean, half of them can't even ride in any case. It's like... Anyway, sorry. That was a tangent call. That's a, ta- that's a tangent. It's a tangent call. But you know what? I'm not perfect, as my girlfriend will tell you. I'm not perfect. I'm quite good in the bedroom, but I'm not perfect. But there's so much wrong in British horse racing, and they can't see the wood for the trees, and it's gone on for so long. And then ITV have on. Oh, yeah, we'll interview, what you call it, from, uh, what was it? it, used to be Nick Rust. We'll have Nick Rust on, and we'll question Nick Rust, but we'll let him answer the way he wants to answer, because he's quite a big man, and he might do a big daddy splash on us. But you know, like, you know what? How about being, how about getting my mate, who's a criminal defence barrister, to question them on ITV racing? A, it would stop him being a bin man for a while, but the, the bad the downside would be he wouldn't leave his wife. But, you know, we need to be a little bit, um, uh, we need to dissect people in racing. We need to hold them accountable racing because this is the sport we love and this is a sport that's going to the dogs and we know what's happened to the dogs in the last 35, 40 years. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, but we won't say anything, uh, even constructively critique about you because you know what? You're my friend, you're my best friend. And, oh, right, okay. Uh, uh, next, I've, I've done, I've blown out. Where did oh, that no. come from? <laughs> I don't you know what. So can I just say to you, um, it has to be in my background being at a work club class boy from Liverpool, that every so often it resurfaces. I'm not militant. I'm not Labour. I'm neutral. Uh, but you know what? All of a sudden, those frustrations, they come to the boil and they reach a sur- surface. And I just think to myself, you know what? 
please let someone say something that maybe opens up this big hole, like this gaping gill in racing, so we can discuss it in an open, a worthy and a truthful manner. But you know as well as I do, Emmett, it ain't going to happen. Well, I think that's the good thing about podcasts in racing is that, well, it depends on which podcast, but there is a more open dialogue. I mean, you're allowed to say that, right? And yeah, uh, as far as, as far as I know, mm. we are uh, we are debating, or at least we're, we're talking about the uh, BHA whip report next week on the show, uh, potentially mm. with somebody from the BHA. Now that's probably done now, but, but um, look, if they don't want to come on, then that's fine. Uh, they don't want to come on. We'll yeah. still discuss it, and we will be we will be debating it next week uh, and, and the merits of it. But, okay. but you and I are going to go through it today as well. Um, it's just, it, it will be a good thing Absolutely. to do. But the, the thing is, in politics, uh, they will knife each other on camera and then have a drink with one yeah. another. And yeah. uh, I don't really like uh, the world of politics that much. I'm fascinated by it and I, I, I'm uh, mad into current affairs. But me too. Me too. Well, you have to be because because it's about it's about your, it affects your livelihood. You, exactly. If you're not interested and, and you don't think you can affect it, then don't bloody vote. Piss off. Go to Cambodia or Timbuktu or whatever to do. But you, if you're part of a democratic system and horse racing should be more of a democratic system, it's it's more of an autocratic system. Then how how can we affect it? in the right way. It's okay us giving sound bites and being a little bit funny on the side, but in all seriousness, how do we affect it? The members of the public, the betting public, we are the we are essentially purse strings to race it, mm. and yet we have so little say in what goes on. Yeah, it's kind of yes sir, no sir, uh, please sir, can I have some more? But yeah, if yeah. In, in the world, we can take a leave from the world of politics in that if a politician can go and knife a fellow politician that they see day in, day out, and then have a drink mm. with them afterwards, or a presenter yeah. or reporter can uh, absolutely tear to shreds a politician and then have a drink with them afterwards. The fact is that your mm. job is to call out stuff that you see is, as wrong. And uh, if you're in current affairs, that is your job. It's not to just suck up to people and be like, oh, I'm hanging out with Boris. I'm, you know, look at me. I'm I'm up there with the, the prime minister. I'm at the... The UN. It's it's about actually getting to the heart of of the real issues. And if you're not prepared to call that stuff out, then move off and let somebody else come through. And if dead right, yeah. And the problem is that an awful lot of people who work in broadcasting are guided by their editor or guided by their mm. senior producer, who says, "No, you can't do that story. No, you can't say that," or it gets taken out. And ultimately. When it comes to, to big topics like this, I I think that you're 100% right in, in a lot of what you said. You're wrong in some of the other stuff that you said. But, yeah, but. absolutely. No, absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, if if, if I, if I criticise someone, so let's just take the BHA. If I criticise the BHA, if I haven't got an alternative answer to the problem, then I, I can quite rightly be shot down in flames by a member of the BHA. If there was three of us on now, you, me, a member of the BHA, I can criticise them to the end of the world. And if the member of the BHA, he or she comes around and says, well, Paul, what would you do? If I haven't got a solution, then I shouldn't be shooting them down as, as constructive as I, as I possibly could be to the umpteenth degree. But if I have an alternative solution, 
that they haven't even considered, then it's, uh, okay, you know, yeah, uh, we appreciate that. Maybe we don't agree with you, but we respect your opinion because you've come up with something that may, it may just work. It may just work because, do you know what, BHA, it, there are so many things that are not working at the moment. There's so many things wrong with racing. Everybody thinks, oh, it, it's so hunky-dory, everything is okay. Oh, but, of course, someone like me who has a mouth like the Mersey Tunnel and some people think is out of control, and uh, maybe at times I am, you know, just ask my kids that, But uh, and I am quirky, and I get that, and that's why I'm not on ITV. That's why when I was interviewed for ITV to do to do the, uh, the betting job, I came second to a mouth that was ten times as big as mine. But the whole point <laughs> of the fact is, it actually tends to underplaying it, to be honest with you, and and his and his knowledge of racing is shite as well. But do you know what I mean? But the whole point is, you set your you set a stall out in racing when you come into it initially, as I did when I was 23, 24, and you get people realise very early on, or they they sort of almost put you in a category, and it's very hard to get out of that category. And yes. yet when you go from, go from the ridiculous, and we sp- we've spoken a bit of ridiculous because we're having fun, and this is an entertainment podcast. We, we want to entertain, but we want to debate. We want people to maybe sit up, and we want them to throw their ideas and maybe their criticisms and their acknowledgements at us. But if you go into racing and you have a view, uh, and you're just a mouth, 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 and you shut everybody else down, then you have no place. If you're happy to debate and constructively debate and listen, and more importantly, hear what the other half has to say, and they do the same to you, then we're getting in the right hall of mirrors to have a proper discussion about it. Yeah, and I would add to that that there shouldn't be a fear of calling someone out. There shouldn't be a fear of debating somebody and and disagreeing with them. And uh, my view on this is I may not have the solution, but I can call out something that I see is wrong. Or I can look at something that mm. perhaps is being implemented by the BHA have gotten enough of a bettering. So let's go for Horse Racing Ireland. Uh, hi, HRI. Uh, they might implement something that I don't like. And I'll, I'll say it. Listen, I don't have the solution for you, but this is wrong. Uh, this, what you're doing doesn't make sense. This is not going to bring uh, fans to the sport. Now, I'm not having a go at anybody personally. I'm having a go at the policy. And I think that is, is something that's being lost. What's been kind of lost is... There is uh, a certain feeling of, oh, if we, if we get stuck into that person, they won't come on again. Or the organization won't come on again. Well, if they won't come on, screw them. What's the point in even having the debate? What's the point in, in that person uh, coming on uh, media shows and coming on, on broadcasters but going, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to talk to them because they said that one thing about me that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You that doesn't, do that that doesn't you fit. You know, it doesn't work. Um, so I, th- I think that the ability to call a policy out is, is perfectly fine. And, and like I said, with politicians, they're all good. Listen, they kiss and make up. They're literally having a drink with one another. I've seen it happen. Someone gets absolutely railroaded on television, and then they're having a drink afterwards and, and uh, clinking Oops. glasses. But that's why you have best friends to tell you something. If you have a really good best friend and they tell you something you don't want to hear, that works. So there needs to be more of a best friend attitude. I remember I was on a panel about three or four years ago for the London Racing Club and Hayley Moore was chairing it. And Hayley asked us, what's the worst ride you've seen in racing so far? So I was a bit devious. I said, actually, uh, there's a guy called Ryan Moore and he rode in the... 
2015 Jersey Steaks oh, no. on Sir Isaac Newton. I said, I said he made the wrong decisions on three occasions, whether to go left or right. And I said, you know what? I think Ryan Moore is a world-class jockey. And actually, this weekend was a great showpiece for him because he was absolutely stupendous in what he did. Incredible. And uh, I didn't get a look in the second half of that uh, of that panel. Club. And she gave me daggers. And every time we see each other at a race course, she is almost like she wants to blow me up. So, um, but you know what? I can I gave a constructive reasoning as to why it was the poorest ride I've ever seen, apart from the fact it was going to pay for my new extension in Elstree and Hertfordshire but she didn't know that at the time but I was constructive you know and I've made loads of mistakes I've given some awful tips my broadcasting on occasions has been absolutely crap but you know what you take it on you take, you take it on the chin yeah and, and listen when you get railroaded by a broadcast consultant uh who tells you no no do this do that don't do that we all have to be told that from time to time it's just part of the the thing um I'm pretty sure that I made a joke about Ryan with uh, with Haley, and she was fine with it, so maybe it was the way you said it, man. Maybe it was. Uh, one uh, one uh, thing maybe I... No, I think it was because I was wearing a tank top at the top of the time, so maybe that's what it was, you know. You're, Not very creative or fashionable. Just turning up in the old wife beater to, um, to, to <laughs> That's panel. the one, boy. That's the one. Hello. Um, maybe I'll, I'll get a job on ITV for the fashion bit rather than the, the betting bit, you know. No, don't be stupid. It's like shooting yourself in the foot, isn't it? And oh. eating a load of great They've gone off. Oh god. Okay. Um, hi Ed. Hello Ed. <laughs> no, no, I've worked with Ed before. I've worked with Ed before. It's just he's just very tall, isn't he? That's the, what you can say about Ed. He's very tall. Yeah. Ed um Ed makes me look like a, a smurf. Um I, I'm just I'm <laughs> makes me look like an umbalumpa. Yeah. He's Hello. a different level. When, when Ed is I feel better when Ed is interviewing Ryan. Or uh, or or Oshin because I'm like oh thank God <laughs> like this this is I'm yeah. average height I am average height it's just because all these man babies are walking around uh, all due respect Ed. <laughs> um, I'm talking about the 20 year olds that are coming up now that seem to be injected with steroids but uh, no Ed, Ed yeah is, I'm sure you are yeah. Ed is one of the good guys and um, he is a good guy he's, he's, he's a, a lovely fellow yeah but uh, as for Chapman yeah I, I echo everything that you said um, I, I will correct you on one thing but the prize money at Royal Ascot to be fair Artorius walked away with the same amount of money that he would have walked away with in a most of the Australian Group Ones, but the rest of the meeting outside of the Group Ones, that is uh, a prize money nightmare. I would certainly go through there. But um, Every, I, I mean, you, you'd like to think with it being. I mean, I have no problem with every Royal Ascot race to be sponsored in the future, and every Group One should be worth a million pounds to the winner. Every Group One. Will we ever see it? Maybe when the economy completely tanks. And we're all screwed. By the way, watch Devils. Great show. Absolutely terrific show. It's on. Oh, is it? Oh, really? No. Is that the the latest one? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Have you you watched Succession? Have you watched Succession? Yes. It's amazing. Great, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Succession is terrific. Lovely. There's always always time to mention a TV show. Um, Devils. uh, Okay. I'm writing it down now as I speak. I'm writing it down. Devils season one is very good. But but season two goes to a whole new level because what they do is they... They're looking at uh, they're they're doing the drama surrounded by the Brexit referendum, Trump being elected, and COVID. Oh dear! And oh, wow. all That's of its heavy, effect, heavy stuff. all of its effect on the markets. And if they do seasons three and four, it's going to be about the influence of the financial markets on the Russia-Ukraine war. 
Okay, can I just say as well, I'm doing this podcast today, and anybody who's listening wouldn't know this. Emmett said originally three o'clock. And I said, <laughs> yeah, great, three o'clock. And then halfway through the morning, he goes, Paul, I've got lots of other work on because he's a rich bastard and he's getting loads of work. And I hope the bloody tax man is listening to this. And he said, Paul, can we do four o'clock? And I said, yeah, we'll do four o'clock. But that ruined my chance because I'm re-watching The Sopranos, the greatest box set oh. of all time. And and Ralphie is about to get killed by Tony. So you denied me that. I'm going to have to watch it again later this evening, which means I won't be able to watch one of the Harry Potter movies, which means I won't be able to go out for a drink with one of my old girlfriends that I fancy again, but I could be in there. So um, that's totally ruined my day. I uh, apologize, but at the same time, didn't you mention you have a girlfriend and now you're into another one? No, 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 no. Anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway. Uh, have you heard those two very definitive words, slippery and slow? Uh, right, so alcohol free takes the. Charlie Chalas takes. Did we end up there? Oh, God, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Uh, that is true, but I messaged, I messaged Paul at 5 a.m. because I had a voiceover session to do going. I'm really sorry. Can we do it? Not even sure if I said really sorry. I think I just went, can we do it at four? No, you didn't know. Oh, you sorry, man. You get, yeah. uh, apologies. Apologies, my friend. Uh, right, so alcohol free takes right. that. Both of us are in agreement so that we think she'll come up short in, in the Sussex, albeit that Bayeed so. aside, I don't think it's a great renewal. I think, but I, I actually think Bayeed is overrated, and all these comparisons with Frankel oh, God, are absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it, it, it's just, um, but but I think most racing fans would say that to you. But we're trying to cling on to the next superstar, as we've been trying to cling on via Sam Crow and Co for the next article for decades and decades, and, and it's quite simply not going to happen again in our lifetime. Let's just let's just lay that to rest, and people need to understand, and people need to accept. The great thing about racing is you don't know when the next superstar is going to come on the scene. And uh, yeah, sure. the example sure. I will give you of that is see the stars mm. followed by Frankel. So I remember debating yeah, this, yeah, absolutely. how yeah, great yeah. was see yeah, the stars yeah, yeah, and yeah, along yeah. comes Frankel. But I think that Baid has a, a terrific momentum behind him. And if the BHA and Great British Racing, the Great British Racing even tweet still, I have no idea. Uh, if if they were to use Baid as a proper promo- promotional mechanism, as opposed to beautiful people in stock photos at the races, mm. uh, you know, actually build momentum around him. Remember the Cotto Star Denman posters around London uh, when, yeah, when they were yeah, clashing yeah. Yeah, That kind of stuff. If you were to do that, that, you can hang your hat on, on that. You, they could have done that for Stradivarius yes. in the Gold Cup, which would have yes. made it even yes. funnier than when the whole Frankie and, and Gosden thing happened. Like, you can do that. You can build momentum around these things. And Bayit has, I think he can be compared to Frankel in that essence of bringing more fans in, but you can't compare yes. him in terms of what he's actually done. Um, but Emmett, you, ne- you never know what you've got until you've lost it. And you mentioned Corto, Star and Demon, and we were treated to such luxury luxury of national hunt racing for so long with those two and there was masterminded uh, around about that time as well and we didn't realize and all of a sudden became a barren land of superstars that weren't superstars but because they relatively speaking they were still gold cup winners but they were not on the same either as as Corto and Demon so you never know what you've got until you've lost it and that obviously is the link to to my current kind of girlfriend yeah. <laughs> Hey, 
oh I'm in trouble here, goodness. aren't I? Oh, I'm in God. trouble if you don't edit if you don't edit this properly. I'm I'm in big trouble, aren't I? I, I told Tuala to take care. the week off. There's no need to, because okay. why would we use the bleep machine and also no editing on this? No, love life, love life, enjoy life, love love life. Yeah, you know that's the other thing I get as well, Emma. You know, generally in life, people. People don't embrace it enough and love it and run with the positives. And I know this is cliche land we're in at the moment, right? And and understand what they've got that other people haven't got at the moment. But you know what? My dad or my late dad always said to me one really good, really good thing, advice he said. He said, you cannot meet enough people in life. Go out there, communicate, meet, connect, debate. And the other thing is my last... uh, teacher in junior school said to me before we went from junior school to senior school uh, she, she we had we had all everybody in the class and uh, all the all the parents were around the outside of the classroom she says i'm going to say six words to you now and then i want you all to walk out because we had a bit of a a bit of a horrible uh, uh, boy in school who's a bit of a bully mm. and he, he had she had her at the front of the classroom with him called sammy and she said you know what here's sammy he's been really naughty to her but the last couple of months he's changed his ways he's a different boy so that i'm going to say to you now i'm going to say six words i want you to file out the classroom and go to senior school and she said, be kind, be kind, be kind. And those words have stuck in my mind ever since. However, when you go on the final furlong podcast, you don't really have to be kind if you're constructively criticised. Exactly. Uh, constructive criticism is good criticism. And don't allow yourself to get trapped in an echo chamber. And moving on to the pre-Jean Pratt Group <laughs> 1 uh, at Deauville. So this was definitely Ryan Moore at his absolute best uh, as tenebrism. Uh, Bills on her Royal Ascot showing to uh, get her second Group 1 after winning uh, in spectacular style in the Chivley Park last season. Uh, I really fancied her for this race. I was delighted that she she won. I'll, I won't get you. I thought that she was in trouble about three furlongs, two furlongs out, but all of a sudden she just mm. kicks into gear and, uh, and powers clear. Uh, the seven furlongs, and this was restricted to three-year-olds, but how impressed were you with the uh, tenebrism? Really impressed, and I actually thought after seeing her run at Ascot, I thought that the two factors hugely in her favour, and I'm not after timing, was what you said, dropped back to seven, perfect four in a fairly well-run race, and and I think this is key to her. She just wants to have a little bit of give in the ground as well. It helps her because, as you say, she was a little bit outpaced, but that that good, officially good to soft ground, I think it was quite dead ground. If you have a look at the timings during the day, that also helps her. She's a fine physical specimen of a filly, and I think she's only going to improve between now and the end of the season as well. I completely agree. I'm very excited to see what they do with her next. I think that they, they want to come back to France. Um, Ryan Moore said that she's accelerated through it like a motorbike, which I, I love yeah, that, yeah. that quote. Um, she's bred... Quite expressive for him, wasn't it? For, for Ryan, that's really expressive. Yeah. <laughs> Must have swallowed a dictionary or something. <laughs> oh, Haley's just going to block you now from now on. Um, but she doesn't listen to this, does she? Oh, she does. Uh, he's, oh, she says she's a beautifully bred horse, uh, being a Caravaggio out of, out of immortal verse. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would yeah. imagine that the return to France and the pre-Maurice de Geest would, would really suit her. Perfect. Perfect for her, yeah, I agree. Uh, the pre de la Forette as well would be another one that would come into the reckoning. Um, what did you make of the run from mm. Modern Games? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. He, he, he sort of was never really going with much enthusiasm in a way, or um, I think maybe 
the first two runs this season, that was, that was what he was aimed at in any case. I Do you know what I love with modern games? I'd like to see him run over a lot further. I'm, I'm talking a lot further. I'm talking a mile and a half. Now, many mm. people think I've gone absolutely off my scooter here, but I think that's that would suit him an awful lot because he's got a really high cruising speed. The key with him, I'd like to see him get in behind horses and just sheltered and drop the bit and relax a wee bit more. Whether that's the right call, I don't know. But sometimes in racing, you've got to go real left of centre to find something a little bit extra in a horse because at this level, over this trip and over a mile and maybe a mile and one, I think this is as good as he is. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, and we'll be talking about his sister, Maj, uh, a little bit later on, who looks mm. to be an absolute star for, for Said Mansoor. Uh, I know his relations are milers and seven furlong horses, uh, essentially. But being a Dubawi out of a new approach mare, you would imagine that stamina shouldn't be too much of, a, of, a, of an issue. And maybe it's a bit of pedigree okay. reading. Maybe they're just looking at the page yeah. and going, nah, he won't stay. But if you don't try it, you're never going to know. Um I think it'll start. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. We get it. Distractions happen. That's why we designed the fully electric, full-sized Volvo EX90 with the latest technology to keep you and those around you safe. Its two-sensor driver understanding system is designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Reserve your Volvo EX90 today. Learn more at volvocars.com US. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Yeah. 
We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The biggest shock in TalkSport 2 history for Group 1s or Grade 1s, as in Spiral, gets beaten. Uh, I had the pleasure of being on uh, on air with Shaban. So we'd done racing live, uh, come on with Shaban and say, I'm a little bit concerned by what John Gosden said, but basically she's going to win this and uh, I can't pick out what, what goes and, and wins. It'd be a massive upset if, she, if she's beaten. And then she's like, what, what was it you said before the race? I'm like, oh, thanks very much. Slap in the face. Um, <laughs> in Spiral gets duffed at 7-1 to one on for Rob Hornby's first group one on Prosperous Voyage. Uh, we will talk about Prosperous Voyage, but the big story here is, is in Spiral. So we'll, we'll give Prosperous Voyage her, her due in, in the end. But this was a massive uh, disappointment from, from in Spiral. And if... Um, no, no fault at all of, of Frankie Dettori this time, uh, and, and no. uh, good to see that Frankie didn't uh, turn the gun on, on John and go, "Well, how am I supposed to win when horses are turned out like this?" But um, yeah, yeah. to be fair, Gosden had warned; he had he had set out the, the warning signals, but she still sent off at seven to one on, and was a major disappointment. Yeah, what was it? It was what three weeks later on from absolutely slushing up at Ascot and the coronation. Uh, and when she had the winner here, a mile behind as well. But you know what? God, here's, here's the biggest old adage, the biggest old cliche in horse racing. They're not machines. And if they were machines and we could forecast every outcome, there wouldn't be any bookmakers. There wouldn't be any betting. There wouldn't be a horse bet racing industry. So sometimes you've got to think outside of the box and think, well, you wouldn't have backed her at that price in any case, wouldn't you? God, no. And yet... And yet a filly that was second in the 1,000 guineas was 16 to 1 when you could argue she should have started possibly at a single figure odds, maybe 8 or 9 to 1. So it's all about subjective value and we all have different views on that because it is what I've just said it is. It's purely subjective. But hindsight's a great thing. Nobody knew she was going to bounce. I thought Rob Hornby actually gave uh, the winner at Newmarket a bloody awful ride at Asker, keeping her well apart from the other runners in the early stages. I didn't get that. I just didn't get that at all. Um, but he did the right thing here and you know he's the one that's taken advantage of a below par run that's how this race sums up he took advantage of the favourite running a below par run end of move on yeah uh, ground probably wasn't ideal and the bounce factor it's yeah you can't explain yeah. it but it's a thing it's there, and it um, listen, if you back Prosperous Voyage, well done to you. Uh, she's going to come yeah. back for the Sun Chariot. That's her main aim now, uh, Prosperous Voyage. And she's she was uh, due to go to the St. Allery. Uh, she missed that, mm. um, but they would be interested in trying the NASA, but apparently it's the it's all about the, the Sun Chariot. That's her, that's her main aim now. Straight track and, and the, the very lovely, amiable Rafe Beckett. Pause. To get a reaction. No, didn't get one. Okay. Um, he said basically, shoot, Rafe, Ralph, Ralph, yeah, Ralph, we're going back to the Sopranos again, aren't we? Um, he says she wants a straight track. She wants a straight 
track and you know i'm prepared to doff my captain because he knows an awful lot more about horse racing than me but i think i'm a kind of nice and more amiable person than he is well moving on <laughs> the duchess of cambridge takes uh group two goes to marge who was very weak in the betting um and beats lezo who for rafe beckett who was very very strong uh, in the market i couldn't quite get my head around this uh really liked the, the format at royal ascot where she'd been second to meditate uh and that form has obviously now been been very strongly boosted side bin Soror has he's been quiet he has a real world but he looks like he has a proper star now in in Maj. and uh when he has a good one he can target them in, at the right races and she looks very very good I, I actually think she's, I wouldn't say she's a superstar. I think she's really professional. And I actually upgraded that victory because if you have a look back at the race again, Emmett, she was very keen through the first two furlongs or so, out in front seeing a lot of daylight. She raced with loads of enthusiasm. I don't think that was any fault of Ray Dawson. She just wanted to get on with the job. Uh, but the second Lee Zoo was also very keen as well. So you can almost like um, scrub out both of them for that sort of weakness as well. Uh, Mayland C was also very, very keen early doors, and she looked as though she she ran up light in the parade ring when I saw her there. So I think you can scrub that because I know Michael Bell thinks an awful lot of Mayland C. Uh, but these two have pulled what only a length and a quarter clear, length and three quarters clear of Queen Ollie, who I, I don't think the form is outstanding, and this race hasn't really reproduced fillies that have gone on in their second season mm. to have much of an effect on the top races as a three-year-old. Certainly not over a mile in the 1,000 guineas, but even not at the shortest distances over seven and six to become a part of the sprinting championship game. So, yes, it was a good performance. Yes, I've upgraded the first and second because they both didn't settle, but I, I, I don't think it's way out outstanding form. It doesn't go to the top line of my, my form black book for sure. What did you make of the interference? Yeah, these are really inexperienced horses and they're going to run green and they're going to be carried across and they're going to do it every so often. It's a, a new market... You know, it's such a wide open space as well. And when you come up, uh, go into the dipper, more so on the Roly Mile than, of course, the July course. But when you you hit and you hit the crowd around about uh, a furlong and three quarters out, for these inexperienced horses, plus the factor of the wide open spaces, it can be quite a shock to them as well. But I think she's just run, run, run really green, to be honest with you, no more, no less. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I know that there was a bit of contention that perhaps... Moore should have been thrown out, but I thought that would have no. been very, very, very harsh. Well, that's um, absolute bollocks. Whoever said that needs to be put inside. Um, the pundit on ITV Racing, who shall remain nameless, said, what is it you have to who do to get it? thrown out of who a race? Was it? Uh, well, who was it? I'll, I'll say it, and then I'll, I'll get I'll get Tuala back from her vacation to bleep it out. Okay, next. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Isaac Shelby is a winner for uh, Mark on the Final Forum podcast who put the horse up at a nice price. Uh, goes off a very well-backed three-to-one shot. And um, for the Sangster family and Brian Meehan, uh, good to see him back in the winner's enclosure as well and gets the better of the well-supported victory dance. Uh, I like this in the superlative stakes from Isaac Shelby. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the name Shelby, of course, conjures up uh, mysteries and pictures of that tremendous um, uh, TV series as well, doesn't it? Which I absolutely adore. Blinky and, you know, it's blinders. about time that... By order of the Piggy <laughs> Blinders. Uh, oh, that's great Welsh. And you know what the other thing is, is that it's nice to see Brian in the limelight. But I'm, I'm, to, I'm, I'm being like really sort of objective about it, Emmett. 
he's had quite a nice lot of bloodstock in the past 10, 15 years, but he hasn't produced as a trainer. And I think it's a mix of the horse and the trainer, uh, maybe not on equal measure, but looks a really nice individual. I love the way he flows over the top of the ground as, as well, really likes top of the ground. Uh, and I'm really happy for Brian. Um, and I just hope Brian managed to crack a smile for a change when he won. And no one's safe. Everybody's getting it on the final Fulham podcast today. Um, on a serious note, I, I had a fear that uh, Brian Mean was going to end up a little bit like Jeremy Nasida. Uh, because Jeremy Nasida had an awful lot of yeah, very talented too. bloodstock coming through, yeah. or, or at least promising bloodstock, and they just weren't delivering on the track. And it, it's just proof that it doesn't matter how well-bred the horse is. You, the horse then has to go and deliver, and that comes down to the trainer, but it also comes down to the horse actually having the potential to do so. So when and it also, But it also comes down to one of the biggest factors that we I think we very rarely mention, um, whether it be on the Final Furlong podcast, whether it be on ITV, whether it be on News at 10, Talks whether it be on any programme, anybody, anywhere, anything, when you're speaking to your friends and family over a Sunday dinner, you know, roast beef, sauteed potatoes, gravy, peas, you know, oh, stop it. But the biggest factor in life in any sector, in any industry, personal life finances, is luck. Luck yeah. is the underplayed factor in everything. And although you can't make it accountable because you can't measure it, it is there. Right place, right time. You and me know that being in the racing industry. Um, and that applies to to trainers as well, getting the right horse at the right time. And, 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 and that breeds in itself. Good luck breeds confidence. Confidence breeds confidence breeds confidence. And that's one thing you cannot give to anybody. Yeah, it's uh... It's not quantifiable, but it's definitely, definitely a factor. Uh, he's going to be trained as a guinea source now, and he looks to be uh, definitely a Group 1 winner in waiting. The Fred Crowley... Nice. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, the Fred Crowley MBE Memorial Summer Mile is the last race we'll look at before we get stuck into some of the, the big topics. Uh, it goes to Chindit. Yeah. Um, both Mark and I were a little bit suspect about Chindit, so sorry if we put you off. Um, but it is just, you know, our opinion, man. Uh, but sorry if we put you off. Um I didn't feel he was a horse that you could trust, and I think Mark was, was similar to me on that, uh, but he's managed to, to come out and, and get the job done. What did you make of the performance? Uh, I think it was a professional performance. We know he sticks his neck out. He's as honourable and uh, game as the day is long, but I thought, I, I thought it was an absolutely horrific ride by Jim Crowley on Mutasar Bet because he's on a horse that, for me, is essentially is a seven furlong horse that has a really good turn of foot and a high cruising speed. And if, if I would have been on the horse, well, I wouldn't have run him over a mile in the first place. But if you're going to run him over a mile against a horse like Chindit, um, don't give him a chance to come back of you. Just slipstream, slipstream, slipstream. Pull him out for the final 75 yards. Use that potent turn of foot and do him on the line. And Jim, I think, went for Muta Sabak too early, way too early, and gave a chance for Chindit to come back at him. Right. Race course attendances, uh, and this kind of comes into the fixture list as well, which I know you are very, very keen to talk about. But uh, the attendances for Super Saturday were down, and oh boy, were they down! Ascot, which is one of my favorite race courses in the world, one of my favorite sporting yeah. venues, I will say, in, in the world, it's a pl pleasure to work there uh, as a broadcaster, and it's a pleasure mm. to be there as a fan. Uh, they had a 26% decline on last year's attendance. Uh, or I think it was mm. from, if you were to rate it from 2019, they dropped uh, 26% with a decrease of 4,500 spectators, courtesy of the Racing Post for their Group 2 meeting. Uh, Chester uh, saw a drop of 5,000 race scores. 
while there was 11,500 at uh, Newmarket compared to 13,500 in 2019. Uh, York did have a big crowd, so fair play to William Darby and the crew there. Uh, and I know that they're uh, busy now getting ready for the Ebor Festival as well. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a worrying trend, this, but it is a sign of the times as well. The, the cost of living continues to increase day in, day out. Fuel is... How much is it? Five euro a liter now? Who the hell knows at this point? Uh, I, I'm just depressed. Uh, I, I don't look and just put the diesel in. Just don't look at the the amount it is. Just put it yeah, in. Yeah. And uh, well, you shouldn't be using diesel. It's bad for the environment. You know that, don't you? Well, how else am I going to fuel my BMW? Screw you, man! It's, it's got me oh, listen to him. Listen, listen to him, folks. Everywhere I've got a BMW. Listen to him. I don't know. Fabio. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Actually, got I to... I, I, no, I'm getting one in September as well, so I can't say. But I'm not getting a diesel. I'm not, I, but I've just learned as well last week that the diesel uh, BMW emits less uh, carbon print than an ordinary petrol BMW. Did you know that? So I did I'm, know that. I'm basically talking up my muff as far as that is concerned. So uh, I, 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 I duff my cap to you, so well done put for the, you. Um, you. Put the ad blue in and away you go, you're fine. Um, oh, you're up, oh God. Look at you, Mr. Farouk Engineer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'm, I'm, tell him when you're getting the ad blue, tell him Kennedy sent you. Uh, okay. But the, the fact is that this is, this is, a, this is a major problem. Um, there, there is obviously a, an appetite to go, but at the same time, we've we've had the pandemic. We've all been stuck mm. inside. Uh, we're all still mm. getting trauma to deal with it. It was horrible. Yeah. And maybe some people have just realized, I can just watch it at home. Uh, I don't need to go. Mm. I'm not paying all, all, all this uh, money. And and going racing in Ireland costs a bloody fortune. Uh, but the, yeah. the trend in the UK of these decreases in, in attendances is becoming more problematic day in, day out, week in, week out. And yet, from what I can see, Paul, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I more than likely am, I don't see the prices of tickets decreasing, and I don't see the prices of uh, what it costs when you're there for food, for drink, uh, to do basic things. I don't see that decreasing either. Well, let's not underplay the magnification of the current economic climate, which is severe. But way before COVID, these figures were also on a downward trend for the past 10 or 12 years. So you have to think, look at the bigger picture here. And I think it's been magnified, obviously, by COVID and the cost of living, which means that a person who earns less than the average wage, I think, would never contemplate to go racing with him or her and their family of maybe, let's just say, two kids as an example, when it's going to set you back, and it will set you back hundreds of pounds. And the only way they'd probably do it is if they probably bought their own food, had it as a picnic in the car park beforehand, because uh, the price of food and drink inside a race course is disgusting graceful, let alone the attendance to get into a big meeting. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Arsene Wenger was manager for Arsenal for decades. And for the final eight or nine years, all my Arsenal fans were saying, it's so bloody obvious. They need two central defenders. They can't defend. They've got the attacking players, but they need two hardened rocks at the core of their defence. Every Arsenal fan knew that. Every member of the press knew that, but Arsene Wenger, this great revolutionary in the Premier League, didn't know that and he didn't change it. Now, 
Where's the link to that in horse racing? Well, I'll tell you if you sit down and give me a bit of time. In horse racing, for years and years and years, we've had this same fixture on the Saturday. Chester, York, Ascot, Newmarket. For years and years and years, members of the public and those in the press have said, move one or two of those two meetings to a Sunday. And it's, it's, you don't have to be big brain. You don't have to be on eggheads. You don't have to be um, going for a Pulitzer Prize to know this. So there's bound to be some clash between people. Oh, where do you fancy going? Ask it new. Oh, I'm not, oh, I'm not so sure. Well, I'm less so York and Chester because you have that big thing called the Pennines in between the two of them. But it has to be affecting the crowds for that particular fixture. It's a standout fixture, set of fixtures, and has been for a number of years. And every time we come around again to this 12-month cycle, and we mention those four big meetings, we make the same assumption. There's a little bit uh, uh, written in the press about it. Why do? And you have to look at Sunday's meetings, the quality of Sunday meetings, and they made me puke. They were absolutely awful. So why hasn't there been a change in the past few years about it when it's so Obvious. Well, why do you think there hasn't been a change? Um, I think because those who run the meetings want it to be on a Saturday because they want it to be on terrestrial TV. But then if we could guarantee that ITV would run whichever of those one or two meetings tipped over to the Sunday, if they'll say, well, we'll, we'll show that on terrestrial TV, then I think they'd be fine with that. And the other thing is the BHA don't like to be told anything. Dare you not be an insider in racing? Dare you tell the BHA? It's like when you, you know, you're a child and you're 14, 15, and you go to dad and you say, dad, I, I think you bought the wrong car, dad. I think you're doing this wrong, dad. And dad says, oh, you don't know. You haven't lived life. You don't know what it's all about. And that's the way the authorities in racing treat the proletariat, the customer, the customer base that keeps racing alive year after year after year, because they think we know more than you. Shut your gob. We'll run the game, not you, because we're specialists in our arena. And that's the end of So I completely agree with you. And I think that there should be a switch to a Sunday. And I think ITV would welcome that. And I'm, I'm pretty confident. I don't know, but I'm pretty confident that they would cover it. It yeah. might not be the main, but it would be ITV4. So it's it's going yeah, to be perfect available. for Ed, Ed Chamberlain and Leona Mayer to be together again. It would be perfect, wouldn't it? You know. And do you know the other thing as well that, that I mean, we talk, we haven't spoken about Oshie Murphy, and of course we know he's on the sidelines at the moment. And I I went to Wolverhampton Racecourse a Friday just before the pandemic, and I was at Thursday night, and Oshie was working, and there were a group of about twenty kids waiting for the jockeys to come out. And Asheen was the only one to stop and sign all 20 or whatever autographs. And all the other jockeys walked past. And I'm talking now about inclusivity in racing. We need to make it more attractive so that the youngsters feel they're part of the race day. And that's another area which is sadly missing. And that's whatever your thoughts about Mr. Murphy are. I think he's an absolute diamond for racing that we've got to shine and shine and shine when he comes back and gets back into uh, the thick of things. He's an absolute legend. And isn't he? the fact that he comes on the final furlong and speaks so openly about what he's had to battle, but also speaks so openly in his views of racing is a gift. Yeah, 
It's an absolute gift. Yeah. And it's like, listeners mm. respond to it brilliantly. Like the amount of DMs and emails I've had from people saying this was brilliant. Thank you so much. Mm. Uh, like it's mm. it's tremendous. And he's to then get a bollocking from the sun. I mean, no one's going to take it seriously because it's come from the sun. But like, yeah. he should stay on stay on his penalty box or stay in the, stay on the sidelines, Murphy. Stay quiet. This is the man is a gift to the sport. He's willing to actually talk. He's willing to engage. And he'll do it with anybody. He will talk to anybody. You go up to Oshin, you might feel a little bit intimidated about going up to someone that you've seen on TV or that you've heard on the pod uh, or heard on radio uh, and that you've been watching for so long. But trust me, he's the nicest person you can meet. And yeah. uh, and he will take a photograph with you. He will shake your hand. He will say hello to you. But I was. it's funny you say this because I was talking to somebody about the Frankie Dettori situation and they work in racing and they have done for a very long time. And they were saying mm. that the year they were young at the time, uh, as was I, when Fantastic Light won the Irish Champion Stakes, uh, Frankie should have been in a great mood. Mm. And that person, uh, as a kid, was queuing up to get an autograph, and Frankie just walked right past everybody, right past mm. everyone, mm. Uh, Mr. Mm. Nice Guy. So it's look, it's there. Um, I'm not expecting everybody to bend over backwards and uh, start taking selfies and, and, and do everything, but I think that the BHA and racecourses can look at this system and go, look, Super Saturday, it's not Super Saturday. It wasn't even being billed as Super Saturday. We just talked about it in, in the post afterwards uh, about how oh, yeah. Super Saturday's attendance is down. This is what every Saturday is like. It's completely overpacked, and then the Sundays are rubbish. It's dross. Well, you know what, Emma, I disagree with you. I think I think everybody in the industry, and particularly the jockeys, should bend over backwards. I, because you know what? They're, they're part of the machinery. They're one of the biggest cogs in the wheel, apart from the BHA and the race courses and the bookmakers and the sponsors, and we could go on and on and on. The, the list is endless. But if they showed up first, like Ashin does, and other jockeys did the same, I make it so much more appealing for new people to come into the, to racing. It's like footballers have become almost like a distant view oh. in the on the horizon for for fans. When I was, first went to a football game when I was a kid, you could speak to the footballers after the game. You could communicate with them. You could you, you could go into the pub with them afterwards. And they're, they're not, that, those days are now gone. So that's one of the areas where I disagree. I think they should bend over backwards. I should. I think there should be a forum before racing. I think there should be maybe a forum after racing. I think there should be intermediate forums in between race meetings where we can meet and greet and get closer to these stars. And they're, they're, they're tremendous athletes. They're great stars. And so many kids look up to them. You wouldn't believe it. Everybody thinks, well, horse racing is a minority sport. But I know kids have gone to horse racing for the first time. They see these magnificent beasts, these wonderful athletes, both horse and jockey in unison, two as one. And they just want to be a part of it, you know? And uh, my daughter, when she was five or six, when Mastermind, I think, rang in the Tingle Creek at Sandown, she held up a big uh, banner uh, saying, come on, Ruby, come on, Ruby. And oh, you know yes. what? Ruby was about to mount, and Ruby came over to her and had his picture taken to her. Now, Ruby is, 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 is very different to, I think, a lot of other jockeys. He knows how important that engagement is yeah. to horse racing. And, and although people think, oh, he's, he's as dry as the Gobi Desert and he's not approachable, he is approachable. He's, very approachable. he's magnificent. And not only that, I'm going off piste here, he's the best pundit on racing TV by an absolute mile. And Ruby's fantastic. And this is what other jockeys need to do. And maybe 
And maybe they need to be taught, they need to be given media training to, to do this. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I was talking to Ed after Royal Ascot because I tweeted out something about how incredible Ruby is and what a gift. Mm. I think I said he's the Gary Neville and, and he's he's changing the game. Um, as, as a it's different gear to Gary Neville, isn't he? He's different gear to <laughs> Gary Neville. I mean, Alan Shearer is the best pundit on football, isn't he? Have you ever heard the Radio 5 Live commentary where Alan Shearer's on radio for once on 5 Live? You know when Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-0? Yes, I remember that very, very well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the most magnificent pieces of broadcasting from a pundit you will ever, you will ever hear, when you're, whether you're a Liverpool fan or not, but especially if you're a Liverpool fan, go and listen to that on YouTube. It is fantastic and Ruby is at that level and a wee bit more because his insight is incredible and the way he does it in layman's terms so yeah. we can all understand it including me it makes it even better he goes from gold to platinum in one full strike there and do you know what he is approachable he's he's one of the most magnificent human beings I've ever met and I've been lucky to work with with a certain bookmaker over the past five or six years uh, I think the best way of putting it is Ruby doesn't suffer fools gladly no, he doesn't. Which so, is amazing. Uh, which, he still speaks to me. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which is a great look. It's it's a great thing to have uh, to a certain no, extent. But he's he's absolutely tremendous, and uh, he's by far the best pundit in the game. It's his yeah. post race analysis of of the races at Royal Ascot that he did for ITV. Um, when I come off Talksport, I, I would watch back both Sky and ITV, and his. I stopped it. I just watched ITV. I just watched uh, Ruby's analysis because it was absolutely magnificent. Um, yes, I think yes, Oshin only yes. did two. I think he did the Wednesday and the Friday. Uh, the Tuesday and the yeah. Friday. He was excellent uh, the days he was on. But Ruby is just, he's next level. Um, the, the cost of of pints. So the Racing Post are doing this uh, RPI, the uh, Race Course Price Index. Uh, so we, oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is good. So let's um, let's not just target the... The British racing. Let's let's uh, have a little pop at Irish racing. Uh, Brian Dowling mm. for the Racing Post went to Ferry House on, mm. and he wrote this on Sunday, July tenth. That was the meeting he went to. Mm-hmm. So it was twenty euro right. to go in, fifteen euro for OAPs and students, uh, thirteen euro for uh, children um, who are thirteen to seventeen. Uh, apologies, it was five euro for children thirteen to fifteen, and then under twelves free. A bottle of water. Two mm. euro fifty cent. How much mm. do you reckon a pint of Guinness was, my man? Oh, I don't know, and I could probably uh, preempt what the answer is going to be here. But uh, five and a half, six euros. Five ninety. Damn good. Uh, damn good mm. guess. Uh, a cider. Good old Bulmers. Oh, or Magnus, the best. Six euro forty. Wow. Wow. And a burger wow. was nine quid. Yeah, but the food thing is, I mean, the food thing for a long time has been ridiculous. You've got a captured audience there. And it happens, you know, when you go to a concert uh, and other music festivals and stuff like that. It, it happens in many other guises and many other areas as well. And it's just that thing, you know, let's just say if there's four big meetings on Saturday, let's just say, oh, you were torn between Ascot and Newmarket. And Newmarket say, right, okay, uh, if you're an adult, uh, it's going to be so many pounds to get in, but we are going to give massive discounts to other people, to OAPs, to school children, university, et cetera, et cetera, unemployed, whatever. And you know what? For everybody, we're going to run our own stand at Newmarket, 
and we guarantee a pint will be no more expensive than £5, and you can get a burger and a pint for £10. If you've got a family of four or five, and you're paying to go in and to have food as well, obviously you substitute the pint for a Fanta Orange, there are other soft drinks available in the marketplace. How many more people think, oh, I'd rather go to Newmarket than ask you? It's going gonna, it's gonna to maybe take 30 40% off the day for us expense-wise. I tell you what, that's a killing that one of those race courses could have made. I wonder who would step out of line first. If they, were, if yeah, they well, all the just answer. went, you know what? It's a, it's a freebie, everybody. It's, it's a capitalist society. We're going for it. We're going to take each other on. Uh, you know, you're going to do this. We're going to do that. Let's let's go for it. I wonder who would who would step out of line first. It would be great to see. And, that, and that's and that's the problem, isn't it? Therein lies the problem. Who takes that first step to liberation? Mm. Uh, Whip consultation report has come out. This was due to be published in May, so we get it in July. Obviously, um, mm. it's it's extensive. It is extensive. Uh, it's um, it is 96 pages. Uh, when you factor in everything, I'm still scrolling down here because they, they do a bit of a synopsis. Uh, to be fair, the Racing Post did a, a synopsis on it as well. Um, Roly Owers, I'm sure I've butchered his name. Uh, Roly Owers, uh, do you know what? Let's get Siri to, to do it for me. Uh, Siri, how do I how do I pronounce this this gentleman's name? He's a veterinary surgeon, um, and uh, he works with uh, World Horse Welfare. Rolly ours. He says he says the new proposals don't go far enough. We simply do not believe that the use of the whip is justified, especially in light of what we know about what makes good horse human partnerships. Hmm. So at the end of the document they they do a surmisal of um of, of what's in it and what their, their proposals are. So uh, recommendations for the whip rules, there are five. A use of the whip for safety purposes should continue to be a fundamental principle of whip regulation. Obviously, um, it should continue to be carried. Use of the pro-cush whip should continue to be permitted for encouragement with strong and appropriate regulation of its use. The whip rules will be amended to restrict use for encouragement to the backhand position only Harmonization of whip rules and penalties is a positive aspiration. The BHA should continue to play a leading role in discussions about harmonization with its international counterparts, particularly Ireland and France. So the rules in France moved into line with that of Britain uh, for interference. I think the whip rules are, are fairly similar as well. Um, what is your overall take on what you have seen today, the uh, the 96-page document, although most when you get towards the end from page 71 after the recommendations, it's basically thank yous. But what is your in impression of this whip report? Okay. So I, I, I thumbed through it because I thought, it was, I think it's a pivotal part of racing. Um, and since the pro cush whip came in, it has been proven that horses don't feel the pain. They don't feel the pain. Now, the second question is where do you push your limits? How do they come up with, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14 hits of the whip during a race, let alone inside the final final. How do they actually scientifically yeah, dissect what happens to a horse um, and where that figure should be? 
And do they actually put into the equation the perception of the general public on this? Because they're scared of what the general public say, just as they were before they changed the fences, they modified the fences at entry for the Grand National. I want to know specifically how they came down to these two separate figures for jump racing and flat racing, because there doesn't seem to be any kind of, um, how can I put it, um, obvious um, way they've come about to this decision. I mean, why, why shouldn't it be four? Why shouldn't it be 20? Why is it 11 or 12? I don't get it. And the backhand to the forehand, I don't understand that as well, which means Luke Morris won't be able to ride ever again in British horse racing because he he thrashes the shit out of them from an angle about 20 foot above his head. So he's going to have to change his rising style as well. But the bottom line, the, the two things in horse racing when it comes to the whip is when I've taken friends of mine to horse racing for the first time, um, some of them are a little bit reluctant because they think maybe it's, you know, it's, it's not the greatest of sports. I think it's a little bit cruel. And then I say to them, well, you know, you go to a stable, you go to any horse racing stable and they're treating like gods there. They really are. And then they say, oh, I don't like the way the jockey's hitting the whip and the finish. It, you know, it's degraded. It doesn't, it doesn't look great. And then I explain some about the pro-cush whip and everything. So my question for the BHA is, is how do you come to these specific figures, how many times a jockey can hit a horse? Where's the science behind it? Prove it to me that it's going to make any difference. Prove it that a backhand is going to make difference to a forehand. And how many races in the past 10 years would the results have been changed if we apply the new rules that are coming in in um, autumn time to the past 10 years? It would be, make an absolute mockery of the sport. Yeah, that's that's my fear in this. And we've already seen, now to be fair, this is going to the extreme in Scandinavia where they they banned the whip and then jockeys went on strike. Uh, and and that's the, the fear I have with this is that that's what this is going to lead to. Um, is fundamental. If you're bringing in these changes, you're fundamentally undermining the whip by bringing in these limits. And also, you're going to have to prove intent, which is almost impossible, impossible. in a court of law. Yes. And yes. so, if it's impossible there, you know, with with your uh, big time falutin, high flying lawyer friend, good luck trying to prove that in a steward's inquiry and then the subsequent appeal afterwards. Uh, it's, it's but, um, the, but the point is, the point is, a whip is not solely used to make a horse go quicker in a finish. Yes, that's not the sole use of a whip. A whip is used to keep a horse straight to stop deviating, which would stop horses being disqualified in the finish because they wonder it's to show a horse a whip so he becomes more balanced and runs a straighter line as well. So there's more uses to a whip than just trying to win a race by engaging physically with a horse to make him pull out a wee uh, a bit more as well. And the other thing is, that's quite interesting, a lot of these apprentice races and they don't have whips, they're not allowed to, allowed to carry a whip. I actually think that's kind of dangerous because you're almost opening yourself up to things happening in a finish or even in the middle of a race where a jockey who doesn't have all the instruments at his behest to control a horse to the max. And a whip is part of that engagement of riding a safe race, whether it be at the start, in the middle, or at the back end as well. I'll back you up as well to say that there is a complete lack of peer review evidence that specifically mm. demonstrates whipping horses causes pain. 
And mm. the reason I say that is because there are groups of individuals who are specifically targeting Australian racing uh, and using that to highlight flaws in British racing. Because whip rules in Australia are very, very different to whip rules in the UK and Ireland. Yes, yes, um, yes, you know, yes. They're yes. much lenient, more, more lenient there. But there is no, there's no scientific evidence to prove that this is actually the case. Um, you mentioned how many people were, were asked and what the public opinion is. The, the Racing Post broke it down and just because it's, it surmises it very well. Uh, the public opinion polls continue to indicate that whip is disliked by a majority of the public when asked, but also that it's a little... It is little understood. A survey of 1,119 British adults conducted by Ipsos UK as recently as April tracked in line with the surveys noted that the Horse Welfare Board document with 55% supporting a ban on the use of the whip. Quotations. This figure dropped by 12% when further explanation of the design and use of the whip was offered, like you do with your friends and I do with my friends. Also in line with previous surveys positivity towards the whip was lower with younger respondents. Well, that's why it's called the pro kush, isn't it? Yeah. There was, there was... It explains it perfectly, doesn't it? And do you know what? How about this? There's so much discussion and debate goes on about the whip. Why did it take so long for so many race courses to go from wooden fences to plastic rails? Oh, and that was God. arguably a bigger danger to the horse than the whip was. How, how come we, the jockey club who were then in charge were so short-sighted that they didn't see that? Because I tell you what, more horses' lives have been saved by them bursting through a plastic rail than they have been hurt by a whip in the last 20, 25 years. And yet nobody harked back to that situation, which you think about, I know it's in hindsight, and I get that. And lots of the things in life are in hindsight. But my word, that was like, that was like getting rid of hanging, wasn't it? As far as something on a British and Irish racehorse concerned, the damn it, those wooden stakes with nails in them and horses oh. running loose through that. I mean, that's. I mean, when I think about it, it makes me absolutely wince. And yet, not a big deal was made of that, was it? Well, people don't like change. You know, well, of course, they don't. More often than not, people don't like change. And you're 100 percent right. That has that has saved the lives of jockeys as well as it has saved the lives of, of horses absolutely um and that's a pretty simple one to do the the whip name is interesting because in the report uh itv got got mentioned for for doing a very good job of explaining the whip um mm. and it was it was highlighted that uh in the survey and, and in, in the discussion they said that essentially renaming the whip uh, and when you go into the report they, they talk about this in detail um because Prokush is a brand, like Hoover, Hoover is a, is a brand, yeah. and so it just became, you know, we all should be calling it vacuum cleaners, really, but who wants to call it the American name? Um, so you you take the, the brand. Uh, it's written in the rules that you actually can't use the brand name. You can't call it the Prokush, mm. apparently. But even with that, there is little appetite to do it. There's little appetite to rename mm. the whip. Uh, apparently, it just, I think it was 51% we're in agreement that changing it would, would be a good thing. Uh, so mm. not a whole lot in favor of it. Um, also, 1,119 people is a very small amount of people. To base it an is. entire... I mean, they should have marked... Yeah. yeah. Base an entire they should have marked it and spoken to a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And this absolutely. has been a long time... <laughs> this has been a long time in the offering. And the the PGA were asked to to give their assessment on it. And they did so as a group letter. 
uh, which yeah. uh, I think was 150 jockeys. That's coming off the, off the top of my head, so forgive me if I got that wrong. Yeah. I think it was 150 jockeys uh, assigned that, which means obviously there's, there's a good few out of that. Now, basic point that I have here is, why, seeing as this took so long to do, why did the BHA not just reach out to each jockey individually? You're not telling me that's impossible to do. And is the reason that jockeys didn't contribute to this because they don't want it blowing back on them in a steward's inquiry or they don't trust the BHA? Why did they not engage? I think, I think it's the latter, isn't it? Because the BHA, and, and here's, here's the greater picture of the BHA, and for many, many years, the stewards and the stewards' room distance themselves from the jockeys when they're in there. It's almost like I'm the Duke of the Castle and you're the serf and you will answer to me. And that was uh, the relationship in in the steward's room, which is why for so many years we didn't have uh, live coverage of what went on in the steward's room. And that seems still to be the relationship as a whole between the BHA and everybody else. They're lords of the manor and how dare anybody else raise a voice because they have opinion on a very important subject because you know what we will decide because we are in charge and to a certain extent you don't matter Mm. we've said on the show in the past that amateur riders particularly at the Cheltenham festival really get it with both barrels and they get it in this as well uh, views were expressed mm. both during the consultation and within the steering group that offences committed by amateur riders were a particular problem, especially in highly visible races at Cheltenham and Grand mm. National Festivals. The financial penalties for amateur riders were felt to be inadequate and will therefore be increased, as they will be. Uh, so the BHA have no control over amateur, uh, as in charity races. They're going to start implementing, or they're going to ask that race courses implement potential fines or future bans on being able to compete in a legends race or a charity race that doesn't fall under the BHA's purview, but the, they don't want basically the shillelagh being overused. Uh, again, there is no scientific evidence that the pro Kush causes whip causes um, doing a Dave Yates on it. Sorry, Dave. Uh, I like Dave's uh, idea of using the pro Kush, but now that I've read this report that says, actually, there's no real argument, there's no real appetite to rename it. Uh, and they do come up with a no. list of alternative names and Prokush is not one of them. They did say that they could change the rule uh, and that Prokush was yes. was the better of the names, but Persuader and, uh, let's just say Shillelagh, they don't want to use those. Persuader was literally uh, put in there. Um, Persuader. The Persuader. Yeah, that's actually listed in, in it, in the document. What the hell? Um, Jesus. For the, for the potential renaming of the whip uh, and the potential for major races, the Syrian group was concerned that based on the data before them, breaches in major races were not only more likely to occur, were therefore in need of much stronger deterrent. They also presented a much higher reputational risk to racing as they are often committed in the shop window of mass audience television and mainstream media coverage. Where does this go in the end? Because I, I suspect that the PGA are not, I haven't got a statement from them yet, but I suspect the BHA are not going to be happy with this. Well, several jockeys have already made a statement saying that we'll do what they want us to do if it's for the good of racing. But send every professional jockey, and as you spoke about before, every amateur jockey to go on a course. Yeah? Mm. Get them to sign up to a course and make sure they qualify and they know the rules inside out. I mean, but I still go back to the beginning of the argument when we started this section on these new whip rules is how did they come up 
scientifically with these new figures and with the reverse ascender, I think it's probably easier to hold and control a whip in forehand than it is in backhand. I mean, it makes common sense. You know, in tennis, a forehand is easier to control than the backhand, which is why many tennis players went to a double backhand because they couldn't play with a single backhand. And that is just the physicality of the human being, of the skeleton of a human. It is easier to do things forehand than it is backhand, you know? If I want to whack my girlfriend on the berm, I'll do it forehand and not backhand because I have more control. If I want to, uh, I don't know, if I want to whack my omelette over on, on, on the pan, I'll do it forehand. I'm not going to try and whip it over backhand because I'm going to have less control. Um, that's uh, an excellent point. And the BHA also... They, they made uh, a point, I should say, British horse racing, the, the forum that was given, uh, and, and in terms of the, the survey that was done, it was presented to them that uh, some of the public had been, they asked them beforehand in this survey. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of surveys. I'll be completely honest about it. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm... It has to be a huge survey to matter, doesn't it? It has to be, has to be a, a massive, massive... And by the way, we're not being sexist girlfriend does it to me as well so it's, i don't want to be hey. sexist either way it happens it happens both ways. But, but you need to you need to survey an inordinate amount of people yeah to try and possibly get the reality of the situation so it's like when the focus groups are going to be asking people who do you prefer to be the next conservative leader stroke prime minister if you survey two thousand people on one survey, and you survey 100,000 people on another, you're more likely to get the end result from the 100,000 than you are from the 2,000. It's just common sense, isn't it? Completely. And uh, the the uh, board were made aware of the fact that... Uh, by, by the way, when race, when uh, Radio Janelor, which is the, the ratings in Ireland, it's Rajar in, in the UK... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's basically one thousand one hundred and fourteen or one thousand one hundred and nineteen people that are that come up with how many people are listening to your drive time show. Mm. It's absolute bollocks. Like there's half a million people in Cork, and my nighttime ratings were decided by a thousand people. Which, by the way, when they were huge, that's great, that's fantastic. But when they were bad, you're like, mm. oh, what? It's not yeah, indicative yeah. of. It doesn't tell you like this where Spotify give us a detailed rundown of how many people are listening and. How many people yeah. are listening in the United Kingdom and for how long? How many people are listening in Ireland? 81% of our listenership coming in the UK, 17% of it coming in the Republic of Ireland. With yes, on a, yes. What is it? What is it? 20,000 on average? 17 to 20,000 on average per show. So, mm. you know, 1,000 people is not a whole lot of people to be basing this on. But the, they were made aware, the steering group were made aware that some of the people who were being um, asked had been had had their views skewed uh, by animal welfare groups. They had been influenced by the likes of, oh, bastards, PETA, uh, who murder more animals than they save. Literally. Go look it up. PETA mur- <laughs> Google PETA, DuckDuckGo, PETA murders animals. Look that up. It's absolutely frightening. And yes, I'm still at war with them. That's horrendous. Um but the steering group were made aware of the fact that some of the people who were giving this view, supporting a ban on the whip, had had their views influenced uh, by groups and by individuals who were actually, they'd just seen something on Facebook from Peter and t- taken it completely out of context. Um, mm. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to discussing it, it just seemed, again, but I... I, I it, yeah, Absolutely. 
I'm concerned. It's just some trial and error, Emma. It's just seemed like this has been done trial and error without enough, not enough investigation going in to uh, what the BHA perceive as being the problem, whether it's a problem of perception or a problem in reality from the public or from those inside of racing. I will tell you what, we'll set it at this. Let's see how we get on for the next six and 12 months and maybe we'll change it in 12 months' time because that, I think, is what is going to happen. I actually said to a trainer yesterday, I bet you the phrase optics is used in the report. And of course it is. Mm. Optics yeah. is, is literally there. And this is a, it's an optics thing. And an awful lot of the people who were who were surveyed in this, it's not race, racing fans who were surveyed, it's the British public, only a thousand of them. Mm. And of that, that, how many of those are actually going to go racing? How many have been racing? How many are going on a regular basis? Some of these people that you're trying to convince are never going to go in the first place. And I'm not suggesting that mm. it's okay that Christophe Sumion does what he did in the in the Breeders' Cup and the Godolphin horse, whose name has suddenly escaped me, um, who the Dubai World Cup winner... Oh, I can't I think of that horse's name um, that uh, Saeed Bin Saroor trained. It's, it's not okay to just get the shillelagh out and whack a horse uh, left, right, well, centre. But at the same time, I would love to know, like you, about the number. Where has the number come from? And didn't this all... I don't understand. Didn't this all come to a head when Christophe Sumion... Did he sue? Uh, after the champion stakes when he won on Sirius Dezongles and they were going to take his prize money away. They weren't taking the race off him, but they were taking yes, his prize money away. Yes, yes. And yes, I, yes. I'm pretty sure it was it was Sky who had the rights at the time and then it went to Racing TV and then came back again. And I remember him doing an interview with Sky... And uh, just it would have been at the races, and just letting fly, just going. What is the point of me coming over here? What, what, what accent that was? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the whole premise is. Up, but here's the premise. That, but this is the premise that overrides anything, including your hello hello accent. Is that it? Does is is it scientifically proven that the whip doesn't hurt the horse? This is the this overrides everything we've spoken about for the last half hour on the on, on the whip, yeah, and the new whip rules that are coming in in autumn. Does the whip is it scientifically proven that this new whip ish, the new kind kind newish whip, that it doesn't hurt the horse? Because if it doesn't hurt the horse in any way, it just wakes him up. It's like a slap or whatever. Then. You might as well allow jockeys to whip a horse a hundred times, let alone eleven or twelve, because it becomes totally academic if the horse is not hurting. Speaking of academic, we're going to speak to a professor on Monday who has written about this oh, nice. in detail, and he can break it down I like for it. us. But spoiler alert: I read a piece that made me throw up in my mouth. Is the most polite way I can put it. Uh, not a nice picture. No, which, not a nice picture. Was, which was about the pain caused by uh, the Prokush. And it's complete yeah. bollocks. Like the guy is, is really? the guy's reaching. And I mean, like, he's like, he's like a fat bloke in, in a milkshake store, clutching at straws. <laughs> like, like, it's just, it's absolutely awful. It makes, oh it makes no God. sense. So I, oh I'll, I'll break God. that down with him. Uh, on Monday, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll find out more. But yeah, cr crazy stuff. Uh, one horse from the weekend that you were looking forward to seeing going forward. Um, well, we we haven't touched upon what happened uh, at York, have we? Uh, so far, where the big uh, race, of course, was the was the John Smiths, uh, and Amat won. What I thought was a 
pretty mediocre renewal of it, but he stood out a mile, uh, the winner. But there are horses in behind that I want to mention very quickly, if I may, Emmett. Yeah, the first of them was the oldest horse in the race, What's the Story? He ran a great race for a mile and a half a furlong. He's back down to a mark of 94. He'll be dropped to 92 or 91. Back to a mile. I think it's the Jorvik handicap at York at the Ebor meeting he may go for. And the other big eye catch for me was the Queen's horse, Just Fine, who finished six and just looked a little bit short of pace in the closing stages. Now, he'd previously been raced over a mile and a half. This was an extended mile and a quarter. I think as he's maturing, this very likely race four-year-old, typical Sir Michael Stout horse, as we know the profile that he deals with. I think Sir Michael will, will bump him up to a, a mile and a half again. I think he's quite interesting for the future as well. Okay, obvious one for me, Isaac Shelby. I think he's a really, really interesting horse, and I'm very excited to see where he goes Agreed. next. Very excited to see where he goes next. Um, we got to do it again, my man. That was that was terrific. Uh, I don't know who you're going to insult next time you come on because you've kind of fired all the bullets there at your ex-wife, um, your your ex, no, your ex-sister-in-law. But, but constructive, no, but insult them constructively. And actually, if I get the chance uh, and we meet up at a race course at a corporate or or just for the pint and a pie out uh, by the rails next time, I'll bring my sister-in-law along, and you can you can make your own judgment. All right. <laughs> Do I do Happy? I have do I have to WhatsApp Sorted. you? Do I have to turn around and go get that woman away from us, please? She's awful. No, I should. There'll be a load of women walking past. I won't identify her to to you, but you'll know. Oh, you'll God. know for sure. <laughs> oh no! And uh, can I just say, no protection is offered. And on that bombshell. <laughs> We are done. Uh, Paul Jacobs, six times champion tipster. Thank you so, so much, my friend. Uh, looking forward to being on well, TalkSport 2 with you again soon and having you back on the final front of the podcast as well. Uh, a pleasure, my man. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening as well. Hope you've enjoyed it. We will talk to you uh, on Thursday as we preview the weekend's action. Till then, be safe, be well, God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kalugi offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk.